Welcome to Mind, Body, Health, and Politics. I'm your host, Dr. Richard Miller. Our guest today is Dr. Lewis Engel, one of our country's foremost clinical psychologists. Many of you may remember Lewis when he was here a few years ago and I interviewed him on his great book, Imaginary Crimes. Imaginary Crimes is about people who are accomplished but somehow walk around with a feeling like, oh my gosh, if they ever find out the truth. So it's, it's a very interesting book and uh, I recommend you take a look at it. But today he's here to talk to us about something new and different, a new tactic for dealing with trauma. Welcome to Mind, Body, Health and Politics, Lewis. Well, thank you, Richard. I'm glad to be here. You know, I was just thinking about how far we go back and uh, I was just feeling a lot of appreciation. You were one of my, one of the therapists that I really began to learn from when I first started out. And you, uh, I was in Gestalt therapy groups that you ran, and it really opened my eyes to the possibility that therapy could be powerful and direct and have a big impact on people quickly. And uh, I, I've always been kind of a skeptic, and it's been my, uh, I've I've kept looking, you know, going from one thing to another, trying to find more and more effective and uh, powerful therapy techniques. But I really felt like I got started with you, and I I wanted to share my appreciation with that. Back in 1969, I think it was. That's right, over 50 years ago. And and thank you for that appreciation. And and you paid me back well in turn because you were the psychologist who introduced me. Uh, more deeply to George Bach, who you were familiar with because yeah. he taught the uh, fair fighting for couples. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. That but, was today, but today we're going to talk about trauma. So please tell us about your new work with trauma. I've, I've heard stories that you've trained uh, close to 8,000 therapists around the world in this method. So it, it's something that we really want to know about. And furthermore, as a teaser uh, to our listeners, I want you to know that as promised in the weekly newsletter, uh, Dr. Engel today will not only talk about trauma and his tactic flash and EMDR, but he's also going to demonstrate it on us uh, towards the end of the program. So you listeners will be able to participate, and I myself will be a subject as well. So take it away, Lewis. Okay, well, um, <laughs> you know, trauma um, trauma has been more and more appreciated lately as a, as a real um, cause of psychological problems. And uh, in fact, I think that... Uh, Bessel van der Kolk's book has been on the bestseller list for like 156 weeks or some something like that. Uh, and, uh, um, you know, tr um, PTSD, as we now know it today, um, which is caused by severe trauma, what we call big T trauma, like um, uh, 
assault or combat or terrible accidents. Um, uh, PTSD was really kind of thought to be untreatable until um, late in the 90s, I think, uh, when uh, both uh, Edna Foa and Francine Shapiro, Edna Foa was a champion of the um, exposure, prolonged exposure technique, and uh, Francine Shapiro uh, was a champion of the of EMDR. And prolonged exposure, uh, both of them uh, work pretty well. There's a there's a high dropout rate in in prolonged exposure, and it's pretty painful for both uh, patient and therapist. There's a high dropout out rate among therapists doing it, say in the VA. Tell um, our listeners I what got, uh, pro- tell our listeners what prolonged exposure therapy is, please, Lewis. And so so prolonged exposure therapy is you have the patient. Um, describe in in minute detail their traumatic experience, and then um, maybe they record it, and the patient listens to it over and over again, and they 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 um, go home and and listen to it, and um, over time they get desensitized to it if they can stand it. But uh, some of these <laughs> memories are so painful that uh, it's kind of a torture therapy in my mind. <laughs> it works, but there's a very high dropout rate. And interestingly enough, a bunch of the early papers don't mention that there's this dropout rate and only use the people who stayed in as their subjects. So anyway, I, um, I'm not a huge fan, <laughs> but it, it, it is widely used in the VA as is uh, something called EMDR, which stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. And Eye Movement e- EMDR, EMDR is um, what I got involved in in the, in the 90s and slowly became a more and more important part of my practice because uh, people could come in having been traumatized or not realizing they had been traumatized but getting very upset over something that they shouldn't get that upset about. And, and we could trace it back to an early, earlier trauma. And very often in one or two sessions, that trauma could be gone and they no longer would have the symptom connected with that trauma. And I found that very exciting because as you say, I'm skeptical. I wanna see, are we really doing some good here? So, um, um, and, um, the, the basic, I'll, I'll give you a basic picture of what EMDR is like. You start out uh, vividly remembering the, the trauma. You want to say, you know, say if it's a car crash. You want to say the, the, the truck coming towards you, the sound of the sheet metal, the pain of the glass in your forehead, just as vividly as you can. And then... What, what emotion is involved, where you, where you experience it in your body. Because one of the interesting things about a traumatic memory is you cannot think, you cannot simply think about a traumatic memory. If you think about it, you also relive it to some extent or another, sometimes very vividly, as in the case of a flashback or something. But, uh, and, and in another, in, in a way, your your body you your body doesn't know 
that it's not still happening. And uh, there's some interesting neuroscience around that, but I won't get into that today. But and when it when it when a trauma is resolved, you can think about it, and it's like it's like something bad that happened that you read in the newspaper. It's you know it happened, you know it sucked, and you know it's over. That's one of the crucial things. Um, so EMDR accomplishes that by starting out with this vivid memory. And then uh, there's a, a bilateral stimulation, usually um, eye movement, where you move your hands back and forth, and, or a, a wand, I use a wand, and then the person, and you, you check with the, and you do that for a little while, you check, you do that for a little while, you check, you do that for a little while, and, and usually over time, the disturbance goes down and down and down, and, and you start, with it being very disturbing, and you end with it not being disturbing at all. So let me let me interrupt. Yeah, let me interrupt and clarify. Please. What you what you uh, said was you hold a wand or or your hand in front of the patient's face, and you move the wand or your hand back and forth, and the patient, without moving their head, moves their eyes back and forth to follow your hand or the wand. Is that correct? Exactly, Richard. Yes, Good. Sir. Okay. I wanted our listeners to understand that. And right. evidently, would you explain that by moving the eyes back and forth while not moving the head, uh, something happens to the neurochemistry? Is that it? Could you kindly explain? Yeah. Um, well, a couple things happen. Uh, one thing happens is there's a little bit of compelled relaxation by that rhythmical movement. And so you're starting to remember the, think of the, the disturbing memory while your body's calming down. And also there's a, there's a, a, a the, um, when you think of a traumatic memory, your right brain really lights up and your left brain shuts down. So that you're, it, it, it's, it's partly a function of not knowing that the, that, that the trauma's not knowing in your gut that the trauma is over. So this bilateral stimulation, I think, helps equalize the two different sides of the brain and, and cause a, a more balanced view, which is typical of uh, what happens when you think of an ordinary memory. Really, with, 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 traumatic, with treatments for trauma, we're trying to change an ordinary a traumatic memory that has this visceral quality, that has this quality of still going on in some way or another to an ordinary memory, which is like, yeah, that happened. It sucked. It's over. That was one of my patients said. It happened. It sucked. It's over. And I'm okay. That's that's what we're looking for. Yeah, that's great. So is, is there some scientific evidence to back up this, uh, this theory that uh, by moving the eyes back and forth, uh, it somehow uh, connects both sides of the brain and, and reduces the uh, impact is there some science behind this, or is this theory? Yeah, one of the early studies that Bessel van der Kolk did was uh, um, putting people in a, a fMRI and showing that over uh, that as the treatment went on, the the hemispheres balanced out. Tell tell the listeners what an fMRI is. Um, uh, an fMRI is. Um, uh, functional magnetic resonance imaging, 
and it's it's uh, it shows in real time where the action is in your brain, whether a lot's going on on one part and less is going on in another part. And I think they use um, radioactive oxygen or something to light it up. I'm not sure about the exact. Uh, mm-hmm. But that uh, helps what it. you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So in both prolonged exposure and in EMDR, the patient does have to relive the original experience, but in one case, they have to prolong the exposure, and 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 in AMDR, they don't have to keep doing it over and over and over again, which you pointed out earlier is very hard to do. Right. Is it, that it, correct? Did, did I get that right? You got it exactly right, Richard. And, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and, and usually in a session or two with EMDR, the the... We asked the we asked the patient to rate their disturbance on a scale similar to the pain scale, the in which ten is the worst you can imagine and zero is not disturbing at all. And um, this was developed by Joseph Wolpe called the Subjective Units of Disturbance Scale. The famous, um, I think he was a South African psychologist. Yes, he was. Yeah. Um, so. How long do you uh, uh, move the wand back and forth? Or I've heard some therapists use a metronome and they have the person watch the metronome stick move back and forth. How, how, uh, but how long do you, do you do this for? Is it for many hours or many minutes? Tell um, us. Um, typically, you do it for around 24 back and forths. Um, so that would be um, uh, probably under a minute. And, oh. then you, and then you check in with the patient and ask what's going on now. And then you go on and do it again. And uh, so, yeah. And how many times do you have to do it before there's a significant enough reduction in the uh, emotional feelings uh, associated with the trauma so that the person can say, what your patient said, you know, it's uh, it's over. Well, it depends. It can be as little as maybe, you know, five or six times, or uh-huh. it can be a lot more. There's the, the skill in doing EMDR is to know how to work with what happens when it's, when the disturbance is no longer going down. And uh, uh-huh. EMDR is also a, an eight phase process. So um, that's a part of it. And then there's a way of checking. One of the things I haven't mentioned yet is trauma is always associated with a distortion, with a distorted belief. So for example, trauma is always associated with a distorted belief. I'll give you an example. So um, uh, if you're, if you had a very scary father, and when you think about your father, you feel frightened. Um, the The belief is you're still not safe, even though let's say your father's dead. That <laughs> there's a belief that you're still not safe. So that's that's one of the distortions. Another distortion can be, say, you know, you're, you're the victim of a sec- sexual assault, and one of your beliefs is it was my fault. I was wearing too short a skirt. Uh, uh, there can also that would also be another one where I'm, I'm not safe. 
Um, uh, how about a trauma like you're in Iraq and, 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 and the truck in front of you explodes and two guys in the truck with you get shot? And and uh, and you've got a, a what's referred to by the VA as a post-traumatic stress disorder, but it's a trauma. Is, is would that be applicable? Would the method be applicable to something like that? It is. In fact, I'm I am just this uh, last week treated a, a Iraq vet for okay. A, uh, a, a, and and the um, the. Distortions can be things like th things that were true at the moment, like I'm helpless, or um, it's my uh, um, I'm responsible. Uh, that can be it may be true at the moment or may not, or um, yeah, I'm not safe is very often one of them. That's why um, Vietnam vets can still hit the deck. Um, what, what about a situation like mine personally, where I was hit head on by a, 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 a recreational, a Winnebago recreational motor vehicle while I was riding a motorcycle and he ran over me and crushed my legs. That was quite traumatic. I didn't know I didn't know about EMDR at the time, so I used another method, which I'll tell you about. But your method would have saved me a lot of work. Yeah, interestingly enough, that kind of problem, which which we refer to as a single incident trauma, with a good premorbid adjustment, <laughs> those kinds of uh, issues, even though they can leave somebody quite symptomatic. Um, can very rapidly resolve mm. as opposed to, and even more rapidly with flash, which we'll get to talk about later. Oh, good. And, um, and, well, that's, uh, the, that's the one that we promised our listeners you're gonna demonstrate on us, good. Yes, yes. And, um, you know, I, yeah. Um, and and, and, and the, as opposed to, let's say, someone who was uh, repeatedly molested by her brother while she was growing up. Um, you know, that's going to take a lot more work. There's a issue of an of parental failure. There's a betrayal. There's maybe guilt over pleasure that, that she felt, all these kinds of things. And so that, that takes more work, you know, particularly if there's sort of a, you know, developmental or a, um, trauma or attachment, even attachment is, is a, a little bit of a separate issue that isn't um, easily resolved, obviously. Uh, yeah. So, um, but something like your accident, Richard, is is uh, excellent. And um, is it still disturbing when you think about it now? No, it's not, because I used a method uh, right away to treat myself but it was a lot more difficult than than the method that um, that you're offering us. Yeah. What I what I did was, after I got out of the wheelchair, I strapped the uh, my crutches onto uh, onto uh, another motorcycle that I had, and I went back to the scene of the accident, and I went over it again and again and again, doing it perfectly without a Winnebago coming at me on the other side and running me over until I just got into my memory bank. I conceived of it as 
getting it down into my hard drive that right. that uh, that I could do a perfect turn without getting hurt. So you know that that's a a, a kind of uh, version of exposure. One of the things that trauma is. Uh, you know, PTSD in particular, one of the hallmarks is avoidance. So people, you know, in an accident, they can't drive past that place and they without re-experiencing it. So that was a that was a very powerful, intuitive way to not avoid and and um, work through and desensitize yourself to the the traumatic experience. So good for you, Richard. Uh, well, I, I got to tell you, the first couple of turns were pretty scary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then the more I, the more I made the turns, the easier they got until I got to a point where they were easy enough that I drove away and said, I think I got this one done. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, but you know, people thought that, that's it. That's it. That's a sort of in vivo, uh, you know, Desensitization, and I'm so glad that worked out well for you. Yeah, I like that sort of thing. I, I treated a person for for an elevator phobia once on an elevator, and I treated a person for with a flying phobia on an airplane. I it, it, it when the person's willing to do it, it, it it's very rapid. You know, it, yeah. I wasn't you know I wasn't out there making turns for more than maybe an hour or so. Right, and that what right. that was done, but right. but but I got, I will tell you, Lewis, that I I took a lot of criticism from from people who you know when I who found out I strapped the crutches on the side of the motorcycle to go back there and do that. They they they. Uh, what was the criticism? They thought it was dangerous, or what was the correct? Criticism? Yes, yeah, there was. Oh, that's a different issue. <laughs> Whether it was safe to do or not, it was certainly effective. It was because, effective because it because it it uh, because you're you're you know it, it, you're you're facing your fears and um and and uh, you know it's kind of like uh, the issue of getting thrown off a horse and getting back on the horse, right? It, it, replacing that traumatic memory with a memory yes. of mastery. Yeah. So, so what you're saying is the method that you're using, and and you say you're seeing a vet right now, is really a terrific, a terrific tactic for dealing with these, you know, who knows how many returning vets who, when they hear loud noises or a firecracker or even sometimes a lawnmower, they get really scared, and some of them have been known to just hit the dirt, you know, because of uh, of something like that. Right. So that's a perfect example of the, you know, intellectually they're aware, but their body doesn't know that they're still not in Iraq, and that that you know is a adaptive thing to do if you're someplace where bullets are flying, right? Yes. Um, and um, and and. And, you know, talking about this with, with uh, patients is not, doesn't help. It, you know, they may have a better understanding, they may be able to talk themselves out of it, but it doesn't change this visceral reaction that they have. Mm -hmm. And that's where um, EMDR and ultimately uh, flash technique, which is a kind of an offshoot of EMDR or EMDR-based protocol works. So just before we move on to the next step in this, give us a little more history 
about this EMDR. Uh, how did Francine Shapiro come? Was she the one who first figured it out? She was. And uh, the the I don't know if this is true or not. The story is, is that she had breast cancer and she was walking along in the park and uh, kind of looking from one side of the path to the other. And she noticed that her, you know, panicky feelings about the breast cancer just subsided. And uh, then she started, that gave her the thought that maybe she should have people move their eyes. And, um, and uh, I think she was at the VA at the time in an internship, and she started working with Vietnam vets. And uh, she, Francine uh, was a really brilliant woman and, uh, you know, and worked with other people and elaborated this into a whole protocol, which, which there are now thousands and thousands of studies of EMDR and, and its effectiveness. And it is, um, it is uh, an excellent uh, modality. Um, so that's, that's the story about EMDR. Yes. So, so now take us to the next step, because what you refer to now is uh, as flash, right? And you'll tell us why you call it flash. Is is an offshoot, and please take us into that story. So, um, you know, one of the features of the effective treatments of trauma is vividly recalling the trauma, or like in your case, actually going back to the scene of the trauma, you know, that's not always possible, uh, so that you, 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 you make contact with the trauma, you're not just thinking about it, you're re-experiencing it, and then you go through some process of, um, of resolving it. And um, so that works pretty well. It works pretty well with somebody like you who has the cojones to go back <laughs> and, <laughs> and go into the difficult situation. It works well for um, patients, you know, who are going to do the prolonged exposure therapy that are just willing to go over and over the, the gang rape or whatever it was that happened to them. Uh, but for a, uh, for a lot of people, that doesn't work so well. One thing is they can there's a risk in overactivating them and re-traumatizing them by going back to that yes, disturbance. Yes. Uh -huh. You can end up with your patient uh, in the corner in the fetal position. <laughs> there's a uh, there's dissociation can come in, so that the person's like you know their their eyes roll back in their head or they're just like blank and they're just not there anymore. And all these things can be. Um, those are risks that you have, even with EMDR. Now, there's ways that people deal with that. I'm not going to go into all those of uh, resourcing them and calming them and so on. But um, that uh, is something that um, my uh, colleague and really the, the principal developer of the flash technique, Dr. Philip Manfield, was, was trying to think about how can we do this uh, and make it less disturbing. And he, he was using a technique a little bit like um, Peter Levine's technique of going to the trauma and 
just lightly and then coming back and going and then and then go, going from the trauma to something positive and then coming back and uh, he uh, I think Levine calls that the pendulation method and um, he started to think well how long do you have to go to the trauma how how much do you have to contact it and uh, so the the original version of flash technique which is in our first paper in 2017 has the patient go think about the 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 trauma but very very briefly so briefly that it's not disturbing now that was a hard instruction <laughs> to make indeed and and uh, and indeed. Uh, we needed and it was hard to to learn and but we discovered that it worked just as well as if we didn't have them go directly to it, that we just had them blink their eyes as a kind of symbol of going to it. And um, so um, that's- say, the, uh, say some more about that. We'll, so, so let me, let me, let me give a, let me outline the, basically how the flash technique works and then, okay? Yes, please. So um, one of the key elements of the flash technique is what we call the PEF, the positive engaging focus. And that is, you have the patient, or I'll have all you that want to participate, think of some um, pleasant memory or pleasant activity, even something that you enjoy, like swimming laps in a pool can be it. It can be, you know. Sex. Sex can work. Sex will work. Uh, your your first uh a child, um, cooking the perfect pumpkin pie, and uh, in um, and and something that you can really immerse yourself in, so that the um, the traumatic memory that you're working on is out of your conscious mind and is working on and you're working on it unconsciously. And that turns out to be the most effective way. Um, um, so basically, you just identify what you're going to work on, and 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 uh, um, all you have to do is know what it is. For example, I'll get, what, that's a good example. I someone's mother sent them to me because they'd been in one of these mass shootings. And the and and the woman was the, the, it was she was a student a college student, she was very symptomatic. She couldn't sleep. She was shaking, and um, she was an attendant. She was present while the shooting took place. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And did she actually see people getting shot or get it or yes she yes. did. Yeah. Okay, great example. Right. And uh, so she came in. and I said, okay. I read about it in the newspapers. We don't have to talk about it. And so I know that it's in the back of her mind. That's all I need. I don't need any details. And then I just have her think about a, 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 a pleasant, let's see, I, 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 this is a while ago, but I remember what she was thinking about is snuggling on her couch, watching Netflix with her boyfriend. Okay, her. good. And, and then... The next step is I have her do some kind of bilateral stimulation. The one we'll use today is just tapping 
your th own thighs with your own pants. That's the bilateral stimulation, similar in some ways to EMDR. And then every once in a while, I'll, every eight or taps or so, I'll say flash. And when I say flash, I want you to blink three times real fast, like a flutter, blink, blink, flash. Just, and then I'll say flash again. And I do that about five times. And then I ask, now just check in very lightly to the memory. I don't even know what, exactly what the memory is. And does it seem different in any way? And the most common response is, you know, it seems a little farther away. And then we do this again, over again. Um, in rare cases, right after that first set, they'll say, no, it's not too different, but it's not upsetting anymore. Just, just sometimes with one set, more usually two or three or four or five of these sets, which, you know, take under, each one takes under a minute. And um, so one of the, it, it's, it, it's astonishing and it still astonishes me. Patients often have what I call the, um, the gobsmacked look on their face, like, what the just happened? Uh, because they they can't believe that something that's been disturbing to so disturbing to them or have been disturbing for such a long time is gone. Because as you know, you know PTSD and trauma can last your whole life if it's not effectively treated. Correct. Yeah, um, and so um, th this is a quite amazing technique. Uh, well, w when you said gobsmacked, I mean it fit for me because I'm listening to you, and I'm a bit incredulous. Well, uh, uh, anybody in their right mind would be incredulous, and that's one of the reasons I'd like to uh, and do the a other... demonstration today so you have a little taste of it yourself. Well, we'll def we're definitely going to have you do a demonstration, <laughs> but I, we have, I have more questions. I mean, how does a psychologist make a living if you cure everybody in, in, in one session? You know, I remember people that were worried about that uh, when, when Prozac came along. Oh my God, people are going to solve all their problems and they're not going to do the deep work. Well, one thing is people have lots of traumas. And uh, the other thing is um, um, trauma is not the only source of difficulty in people's life. It's a principal source, you know, life yeah. is tough. Uh -huh. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And um, um, there's lots of, there's, but um, what is true is that I, my, in my practice, I have these days some long-term patients, and then I have these people that come in for things like that, and and they're they're almost always one session cures. Wow, very you know, impressive. That, that very is, impressive. And that's for the, you know, like a carjacking or some singlest incident trauma. Not everything by all means, but these very dramatic things resolve very quickly. And not only that, one of the amazing things is, you know, when somebody comes in, I'll take a history and get some information. And maybe I've got 15 or 10 minutes left. And I'll say, now, let me just, you know, show you something about this flash technique. I said, we don't have very much time. So I'll just be acquainting you with it. 
So I'm, I have low expectations of theirs. And then very often in, in 5, 10, 15 minutes, the whole thing is resolved. If, and if it's not, if it's just down from a, you know, very disturbing to somewhat disturbing, they're happy, and then we can finish up the next session. So I would never start an EMDR towards the end of the session because you get people all activated, and then they go out of there and they're a mess. This way, I don't get them activated. I, 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 I tell them I don't want them to think about the, the trauma at all, except when I ask them. And then I only want them to kind of check in lightly and ask me. And, and the question is very contained. Do you notice any change? And the kind of changes people notice is it's farther away. The color's gone out of it. The detail's gone out of it. I'm watching it from the outside. I'm not in it anymore. And that's a big change. Are um, people it, able not to think about it when you tell them not to think about it? Well, yeah. Um, they're able to focus on the positive engaging focus. The, I see. The, so uh, like, you know, the substitute. So, so yeah, yes. like, uh, you know. And, and when I have them in the office, I won't be able to do this in the demonstration. I engage them in a conversation. I'll say, so you went to Paris when you were 18 all by yourself, and what happened? And oh, oh, yeah, I love the left bank also. And have a talk back and forth while they're tapping their legs, while I'm saying flash every once in a while, and they're blinking their eyes. And, uh, and so they're, I really want them engaged so that they don't have any, even any shadow of the feeling of, of disturbance. Uh, it, this is, I mean, it's almost laugh. It's a good thing you have such a wonderful reputation before they come in, because when you start telling them some of these things, they think you're crazy. Oh, I don't I tell mean, them. I just say, no, you, 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 no, you tell say, them to tap. You tell them to tap their legs. How many people do you think think when they go to see a doctor of clinical psychology, they're going to be sitting and tapping their legs? I say, look, you know, I have a, a little exercise. It helps most people. If you're willing just to follow my instructions, the worst that can happen will waste five or ten minutes. Yeah. What do you say? They say sure, and then uh -huh. I say okay. Uh -huh. Here's what you do, uh -huh. <laughs> which is it's exactly what I'm going to do with you and and who, those people in the audience that are willing to give it a try. Gee, I wish I would have known it. Well, no, you didn't have this technique back then. It, it, somewhere in the in the uh, I guess it was in the late '80s. Uh, I, I, uh, I had a practice part-time up in Tahoe because I became enamored with skiing. Yeah. You remember, remember, remember that. And a woman came to me. She had been a bank teller in San Francisco on Union Street. Mm -hmm. and, and she was held up by a guy uh, w wearing a black ski mask. Right. And so she 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 quit her job. She wouldn't go back to the bank after that. The guy stuck a gun in her face. Right. And and uh, so she moved away. She moved to Tahoe. And uh, and she came to me because she said, I didn't realize I never thought what happened. But I moved here in the summer when winter came. All these people are wear, wearing ski masks. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm walking around. It's, it's, it's worse than ever. So and, and see, that's a perfect example of a of a trauma because in, intellectually she knows that those aren't robbers, but her but but in her gut, you know, like uh, 
um, the body keeps the score or, it's, or, or there's a neural network that says, I'm not safe. And she That's has right. a big reaction. And this is the kind of thing would be a one session, not even the whole session kind of cure. So it's so exciting for me to have this tool. And, it's, and you can see it's not too complicated to teach to other therapists either. And also, you don't have the problem of uh, getting the person really activated and knowing how to ma manage all that activation because you, you tell them, you know, you, you get a little information about it. Um, if, if you think it's not too upsetting, you might ask them for that suds level so you can check with them as this, you know, that level of disturbance so you can check with them as it goes down. But it's, you know, uh, uh, I like to say that um, EMDR transformed my practice of psychotherapy and Flash has trans transformed my practice of EMDR. It's just, it's just, uh, it's, 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 it, it is kind of magical. Okay, before we wrap up, anything that you can think of that you might want to add to this very illuminating oh, uh, interview? Well, I, um, that when, when the trauma that's driving a, a symptom is removed, the symptom goes away. So the, you know, the patient's not afraid of black people, the, you know, crash victim's not afraid to drive anymore. The uh, rape victim does no longer feels like it was her fault, uh, it, it, and 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 you know the shame is not there anymore, and whatever that shame caused her to do. So, um, um, and and the negative belief, yeah, and the negative belief isn't there either anymore. That the distorted belief that every trauma has a distorted belief in it someplace, and that that is resolved to a positive belief, a reasonable belief. Dr. Lewis Engel, thank you so much for being with us today on Mind, Body, Health and Politics and not only telling your story, but practicing the modality on me and on the listeners at the same time. Uh, great job. And thank you, Richard. It's good to, uh, to do this together and, uh, and reconnect after some time and let's stay reconnected. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Hello, dear listeners. Just a quick editor's note here. For the sake of brevity, we have edited this week's episode into two parts. You'll be able to find the flash technique and go through it together with Dr. Richard and Dr. Lewis at the link below in the show notes. We hope this has been insightful and educational. And as always, feel free to email us at producer at mindbodyhealthpolitics.org with any questions or comments. Until next time.